0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 38 of Preloaded. My name is Josh Finderup, and I am joined, as always, by the other half of Preloaded, Jackson Vanover. How are you doing this week, Jackson? I'm doing great, Josh. Uh, really excited to jump into our main topic. Been
1: playing a ton of games. There's just a lot to talk about.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've been uh, playing a lot of games too. Uh, we'll get into that early on, and at the end of the show, uh, we are going to get into a very interesting deep dive discussion. This week, we are both reading or either have read or are reading, uh, Press Reset, which I have here, uh, if you're watching the video version, I'm holding it up, uh, by Jason Schreier. Uh, We both got um, to read this book a little early. Super interesting stuff, so we're going to talk about that and our thoughts on it at the end of the show. uh, Before then, we have a bunch of news to talk about. We got some Ubisoft news. They had an earnings call with some interesting tidbits, uh, a new big Sega game that we're going to talk about, And, of course, the Ratchet & Clank preview embargo dropped yesterday as we're recording this, so we're going to give our thoughts on the Ratchet & Clank preview. So, a lot to talk about. But first, uh, Preloaded posts every Friday. We post over on Jackson's YouTube channel. He's J-V-J-A-Y-V-E-E, so subscribe there if you haven't already. Or if you prefer to listen to Preloaded, we post the audio version over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you are listening on any of those platforms, uh, we'd love for you to leave a review if you're enjoying the show. Drop a five-star review or even uh, write a written review to tell people why you like listening. And if you want to write into Preloaded and hear your question discussed on the show, you can write us at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. Again, we discuss a question at the end of every show. So send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can at us on Twitter with your questions as well. I am at Quest Mode Games. Jackson, where can people find you? I am at JV on YT. Awesome. So Yeah. Uh, Send us your thoughts, your questions, and uh, we will uh, discuss one of them next week. For now, we are going to start the show, as we always do with our segment, What the Hell Have You Been Playing? So, Jackson, what have you been playing? So, I've been playing a lot just in terms of uh, sheer game time
1: over the last week. Uh, I started and completed Resident Evil Village, which it looks like you've been playing that too, Josh. Yep. And um, really enjoyed myself. Um, I was kind of sucked into the conversation about whether this is Resident Evil or not uh unfortunately and like the answer to that is very obvious like of course it is like i mean having more action in a resident evil game i mean if you've played i mean half of the games in the series you know that you know you've got that campy action vibe in a lot of the games so um i thought it was pretty fun I, i i genuinely enjoyed it and i thought some of the sections were really creepy um I don't know if you've made it to House uh, Beneviento yet, Josh.
0: No, I haven't. uh, I've actually, it's funny, I've played for five hours, but I'm only past the first area. I'm taking my sweet time playing this game. Uh, So I just finished, I just beat the first boss. Okay. uh, And uh, have left that area and I'm back in like the village, but I haven't progressed beyond that.
1: Cool, yeah. So um, in terms of like returning back to the village, I I don't want to like spoil too much for you, but did you like kind of like, going through an arc essentially and then coming back to the village and exploring more because I kind of liked that I fell into a rhythm with it
0: yes I did and actually one of the things I really liked about Resident Evil 7 which a lot of people didn't like is about halfway to two-thirds of the way through the game it kind of broke from the 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 mansion storyline and went to this new storyline on the ship and I really liked that and uh, I was happy to see that Uh, it did that or the first act was kind of like you said one story arc we got to see uh, what uh, I I mean I don't know if she comes back later on I doubt it but we kind of got well maybe I shouldn't spoil things but um, I just like that it was kind of a contained storyline a contained area and now I'm going to move on to whatever the next one is Uh, for me personally love that pace gotcha I I, it it, for me
1: it kind of maintains that pace throughout so um, I'll be interested to see like you know are you planning on finishing the full game soon oh
0: absolutely i'm loving it so far i'm like this is what i want out of a resident evil game uh it's not at least for the first portion it wasn't too action focused for me uh i like that i don't have to conserve my ammo quite as much i mean i'm still careful but with the crafting mechanics i can kind of keep my ammo stock pretty uh you know i can i can stay stocked and i like that uh uh, so far, it's just, a, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, uh, again, I'm only five hours in, which to me, that's, I'm, I'm wondering if this game is going to take me around 15 hours. I don't know, but um, I'm also like clearing the map. What's taking me so long is I didn't leave the first area until all the map was blue. Uh, if you don't know, like the, the, the rooms stay red if there's an item left in there and it doesn't tell you where, just you have to search for it. So I went back, cleared the map, found every single item, and then I, I, I booked for the next section. And uh, I'm kind of liking taking my that meticulous approach. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. I, I think uh, these games scare me enough for me to be like, eh, it's okay. I might have <laughs> missed something in the dungeon. I don't need to go back there. Um, yeah. that's, that's my approach to it. Um, but yeah, when I finished, I clocked in at just under nine hours played. But kind of judging from what everyone else um, is saying that does not account for the total time that you're playing the game. So I want to say that mine was probably around 12 hours when I finished.
0: Yeah. I also like how um Lady uh, Dimitrescu uh chases you throughout the mansion. Like I really didn't like the way Jack chased you because when you encountered him, he would he was very relentless and uh Lady D is uh she'll if she if you let her catch up to you, she will kill you very quickly, but I like that you can basically just kind of like run away from her and not worry about it yet if you run into her like there was one time where i ran into her wasn't expecting her to be there and there she was she let her spikes out and it scared the <laughs> bejesus out of me so <laughs> yeah i had a uh, one
1: point where i cornered myself uh while she was very close by on the second floor um so that was pretty rough for me but yeah i, I genuinely enjoyed the game so i'm glad to hear you are too
0: nice uh a- a- anything else or is that pretty much it for you
1: uh, yeah, so one more thing, briefly. Uh, this is fresher on my mind. I played the Assassin's Creed DLC, Wrath of the Druids. Uh, thanks to Ubisoft for that early access. Uh, played it all the way through and found myself really liking it. I felt like it didn't have a lot of the bloat that the main game had. Very concise story. Uh, it really kind of highlights, I think, the, the strengths of the game and the format that they chose for Valhalla um, without exposing itself with a lot of the downsides of it. So... Um, I'm working on a review. That should be up on my channel soon. So that's all I've been playing this week. Nice.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I've been playing Resident Evil Village, uh, as we just talked about. I won't uh, reiterate that. But uh, before that, I was playing Returnal, and Jackson, this game just... It broke me. Uh, I (laughs) I think it was Saturday that I I decided, you know, I'm going to take a day off. I'm just going to do nothing but play video games. And I sat. my intent was to play Returnal for half the day and Resident Evil Village for half the day. But I played Returnal... I got like two runs in, and didn't make it past the third biome. And I was just like, "Okay, this is it. I am determined. I am gonna make it past the third biome today." Well, then I played a run where um, what happened? There was so I got to the to nearly to the the third boss, and I had stocked up everything. I was like ready to go. I had just the uh, build I wanted, and I got to this room with I don't know if you remember in those that third biome, there are these guys that walk around on two feet. Yes, that uh, they're the biggest bosses in that area, or big, the biggest enemies in that area. And I ran into a uh, a room that had two of those, plus it had one of the one of those green orbs that keeps uh, uh, enemies from the, it makes enemies invincible, basically. Right, and you have to destroy the green orb, and it's not hard to destroy them. But anyway, that room literally, like I had two lives saved up. And that room destroyed me in a matter of probably 30 seconds after like a 90-minute run. And I was just like, oh, still decided to, to go again. The next run, I get all the way through the first biome, and I'm almost uh, – I, I have five Ether. And you need six if you want to uh, save your game. You right. know? And so I was like, well, I'm going to do the daily challenge because the daily challenge gives you five Ether. But what I didn't know is when you do a daily challenge, it resets your run, or at least it did for me. Oh, so no. That was another devastating, like, run. And uh, and then I spent the rest of Saturday night trying to get to that third boss just so I could beat it, and I couldn't do it. And I was like, like, a whole day of playing Returnal just felt wasted because that game does not give much back after each run. There's a little bit of progression, but not much. So I felt like I just wasted a whole day. And I was like, you know what? I got to take a break. I didn't even play a video game on Sunday. Just uh, took a break. <laughs> and man. Then I started Resident Evil Village. So that's been my long drawn out experience with Returnal. Sorry, I hope I didn't take too much time on that.
1: No, you're good. I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of that third biome with the, the green invis- invincibility thing. Um, there's one specific moment. I streamed a lot of Returnal and people were like yelling at me and chap. Like once you get to this point, run past this area because this area is notorious for killing people at the very end of one of those one, two, three biome runs. So, uh, I don't know if that was where you encountered it, but yeah, those, those months monstrous, like turret guys are really, really tough in that third biome. Um, and then, and then the boss, um, if you decide to go back to it, I'd love to hear what you think about that boss. Cause that guy threw me for a loop a couple times. So,
0: I, uh, I I think I'll be able to beat him the next time I get to him. I mean, knock on wood, but I, uh, I, I've i faced off against him three times. And the third time I only had one life and I almost beat him with one life. So I, I think that if I save up and, you know, I, I think I can get, get him. But, man, just not excited to go back. And knowing that I'm only halfway through the game is the other thing that's just kind of demoralizing. So Yeah, I understand that, man. That's a bummer. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. But the game, the, the, the moment-to-moment gameplay of that game is still silky smooth, fantastic. It's just, uh, for me, it's a little unforgiving. Right, that makes sense. So, anyways, uh, that is what we've been playing. We are now going to get into the news of the week, the top stories. We have a lot to talk about. First off, uh, Sega started the week by announcing Lost Judgment. This was actually the same day that Resident Evil Village came out, whatever day that was, the 7th or something. And um yeah, so Lost Judgment is a sequel to Judgment if you were a fan of that game. This is the more action-oriented now spin-off of the Yakuza games. And the interesting thing here is that, or at least to me, is that they kind of confirmed that this is going to be the game, the series that carries on the action-oriented roots of Yakuza, and Yakuza is going to remain turn-based. So that was some interesting news. I think this comes out September 24th. So did you... Uh, catch wind of this Jackson
1: I think I I vaguely did um, I am not uh, I haven't played a single Yakuza game so um, I'm, I'm not familiar with the spinoff of Yakuza but um, you know if it's something people are into I'll keep it on my radar
0: yeah I thought the trailer looked really good except for the uh, my tweet when this came out was the the worst part about this trailer was the lip-syncing which is god-awful but the rest oh. of the trailer looks fantastic everything else looks great so, um, I'm excited. Uh, I actually want to play Judgment because I didn't, but I, I hope that if I do, I like it and then maybe I'll play this. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep an eye out. Uh, so, next, we got some uh, E, uh, not E, well, EA, yes, but some E3 news, or rather, summer game mess, because I guess some of this falls outside of the E3 window. EA Play Live is coming back this summer, but it's going to be July 22nd. So, for whatever reason, I'm assuming we, just because it lines up better with their production and marketing uh, rollouts, EA play is going to, you know, have their big, uh, summer showcase on July 22nd. So look forward to that. And uh, EA play usually has like a big in-person thing as well. Obviously that's, I shouldn't say obviously, but I'm assuming that's not going to happen.
1: Right. Yeah. And and this, this feels very strategic to me. I mean, this is just very far and away in their own sort of Island where they can prop up and dominate the news cycle for a full week. Um, I think it's pretty smart in that respect. But like you said, also for what's ready. So, I mean, I'm excited to see more of Dragon Age. Hopefully they show that. Maybe some Skate, because we know they announced that but didn't show anything. Uh, Battlefield, we're supposed to hear more about Battlefield soon. So, I'm excited for this. Do you think we'll see any Mass Effect? Uh, No, I think that's far off. (laughs) Um, I think they might, like, uh, you know, prop up the Legendary Edition. I mean, that's out as we're recording this, so... Uh, perhaps. Yeah, and anything from Respawn would be cool,
0: too. I'm not sure if they'll show anything. Man, I love Respawn. I hope they show something. Yeah, Uh, so also Devolver Digital will also have an event. This is going to be on June 12th, so this is right in line with um, uh, uh, E3. Sorry, my computer keeps uh, sending me texts, which never happens, (laughs) so that's why you keep hearing that, and I did turn my volume down. I'm going to actually just mute it. Anyways, uh, Devolver Digital, yeah, uh, their, their showcases are always hilarious. Uh, I yeah. always like watching them, if not for the games, just because it's fun to see what they come up with.
1: And I also love that Devolver sort of champions indie games and uh, really gives talented people a chance. Uh, it's very, it's a very different kind of vibe uh, compared to AAA, which we'll get into when we talk
0: about uh, the book. Yeah, for sure. So uh, all, all that's uh, exciting to look forward to. E3 is less than a month away now, so uh, um, should, be a, should be a good time. Um we got some uh not so good news which man this just seems this game seems to be um uh I don't know if it's ever going to come out Skull and Bones was delayed again. Ubisoft had an earnings call and it was announced in that call that Skull and Bones will be delayed until their 2023 fiscal year which I believe starts started or starts on uh March of 2022 and moves through March of 2023. So if you are one of the players that is really looking forward to this game, you have a quite a ways uh, to go before this is going to see the light of day. That said, they did say that the game is still in development, and you know they speak about it with confidence, as you would expect Ubisoft to do. So apparently this game is definitely still a thing, and it's still coming out just a ways off. Right, and uh, just briefly, I got to play Skull and
1: Bones at E3 2018, and... It's so bizarre to me because it felt like a very polished product, so I think they just went through a lot of iteration and development um probably got some different marching orders from um bosses uh went through revisions I'm really just very curious about what this is going to
0: be, and I don't think we'll hear about it uh yeah for a while yeah um it's um it's a bummer, but uh hopefully when it does come out it's um it's good i mean i'm I'm actually I just hope it's not a, um, it may have started out as like an extension of Assassin's Creed 4, but it sounds like, I mean, it better not be just that now with all the time they're taking. I'm assuming it's going to be something much more, uh,
1: much more than that. And it's releasing in a different uh, ecosystem when it was for compared to when it was first announced. Like you've got Sea of Thieves, which has a pretty strong um, player base with,
0: you know, Xbox Game Pass and all that. So in that same earnings call, Ubisoft also reiterated, and this is something that we've covered like twice before, but people published it this week like this is the first time they'd ever heard that Ubisoft is going to be focusing on free-to-play games more so than their AAA titles. And I do have some direct quotes here. I want to be uh, specific here. Um, So their chief financial officer, Frederick Duguay, said in uh, quote, in line with the evolution of our high-quality lineup that is increasingly diverse, we are moving on from our prior comment regarding releasing three to four premium AAAs per year. He then went on to say, quote, additionally, we are building high-end free-to-play games to be trending towards AAA ambitions over the long term. Uh, so uh, what are your thoughts on this, Jackson?
1: This is, uh, I mean, I I think it's an inevitability Um, along with this news. I didn't link it here, but I saw a stat that uh, 74% of EA's earnings over the past fiscal year were all microtransactions, DLC, and other sort of things you can buy within a game or a free-to-play
0: game. Yeah, EA's financial report was very, like, it, it had numbers that were very striking like that, yeah.
1: Right. So I think this points to uh, a very real reality that I think just everyone needs to kind of get on board with. We're going to see more free to play things. And that's what companies see as something that's making money. Um, So things like we've mentioned it before, Assassin's Creed free to play. Don't be shocked if that's something you see talked about or
0: even announced in the next year or so. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, one thing I found interesting was someone tweeted out like, "Why is it that people assume that free to play does not equal AAA?" And uh, that's the boy. That's what I'm like. I would love to see more AAA free to play games. Like, if they if they can pull it off in a way that's not intrusive and that's not, um, you know, blatantly trying to sell me stuff. I'm, I see absolutely nothing wrong with a AAA game that I have that I don't have to pay in order to try. That's actually awesome. So yeah. I'm, I'm all for this. Uh, now, I do hope that companies continue to, you know, crank out games like, you know, we had Jedi Fallen Order that kind of shut everyone up who was on on the corporate side who was saying, oh, you know, we want to make a, a, a live service Star Wars game. It's like, no, make just just make a contained single player experience. So I hope we continue to get those. But um, I'll be curious to see where this goes. And I'm not necessarily bummed about it.
1: Yeah, and, and and I do want to note as well, didn't add this to the doc, but I did see um there was a quote from Ubisoft walking this back a tad and just reaffirming like they're not done with with premium, they're just done with releasing 3 to 4 premium AAA's per year. Right. So don't don't uh don't see this as a slippery slope. Like it's not going to be a free to play only future. We know how much $60 games bring in for these companies. It's huge, especially yeah. if they get a hit. So Yep.
0: So anyway, uh, that'll be an interesting one to watch, uh, particularly uh, the e you know, 3 and moving forward. But uh, speaking of moving forward, our next story, the coalition had kind of a lot going on this week in terms of rumors and uh, what are they working on next. But then a story came out where they, uh, they ra- rather they posted, I think, to their company blog where they said that all of their projects moving forward, I actually don't know if it's all of their projects, but their their big projects moving forward are going to be using Unreal Engine 5 which if you've played a Coalition game recently, Gears 5, you know how gorgeous their games are, and this means they're going to look even better. So uh, that was very interesting. But in that blog post, they said that um, they're going to be using this for multiple new projects, which kind of implies that they're working on more than just uh, Gears. And they also said that they will not be announcing any new projects or titles for some time. And um, I think that it has been confirmed, or at least Uh, heavily implied, maybe, at least by Jeff Grubb and others, that um, the Coalition is working on the next Gears game, something entirely new, a new IP, and they're helping out with Halo Infinite. So uh, if you're into what the Coalition does, there's a huge news drop for you and some stuff to look forward to, even if it will be a long time in the future. Right. Just something to keep tabs on, I would say. Yeah. So uh, to keep things tight here on the show, we're just going to move on. Our next story, Battlefield 6. be announced in june according to jeff keely and you dropped this in here so i don't know if you had anything to add to that other than just look forward to battlefield 6 in june
1: yes um just keep a lookout um i always look at the battlefield franchise it it competes with the biggest franchise uh at least annually within call of duty so um i'm interested to see what
0: they follow up with and i'm always excited to play these games yeah yeah uh this will be yeah very cool uh it's got to be E3, so look forward to that. Uh, Then we got a big Ratchet & Clank preview embargo drop yesterday, or at least the the embargo did drop. So we got a ton of information about Ratchet & Clank. I am currently making a video on Ratchet & Clank. So this is kind of another one of those instances where I literally had a finished script, and then we got the announcement that we were going to get all this information. So I've got to go back and rewrite the script for my video. But... That means I spent all yesterday kind of pouring through these previews, and I found just a ton of interesting information. I think the most interesting thing for me was they really confirmed this kind of multidimensional aspect of Ratchet. They confirmed a lot of information about the multidimensional aspect of this game, and that is that um, a big part of it is that, yes, Ratchet, or Rivet, excuse me, is the alternate version of Clank. I'm sorry, of uh, Ratchet. Basically, the way the developers described Rivet is this is what this is who ratchet would have become without clank um so i find that to be really interesting uh they also confirmed this is interesting kind of like a detail you would only find out if you dug deep into some of these interviews they confirmed that the game will have what are called sync planets which are planets where you can switch between dimensions basically at will and see what the differences are between the two dimensions so that's super cool um Was there anything that struck you about the the information that was shown yesterday or the
1: footage? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I didn't, I didn't see that um, little detail there. So that's cool. Um, One thing for me is that they talked about the difference, you know, well, they're, they're trying to appeal to new and old fans since this is a 20 year old franchise um, now. So using the idea of alternate dimensions is kind of a subtle nod to the older games is something that makes me happy, but also just that detail with rivet being, Ratchet, if Ratchet never met Clank. That's something that's interesting to me because I I know Ratchet. I've seen Ratchet's evolution over all of these games. And so that is something that's appealing to me as an older fan.
0: Yeah, yeah. It should be really cool to see. And I'm not even a Ratchet, like, I mean, I'm a fan, but I I haven't played a lot of the old games. So I'm not going to really be privy to a lot of the Easter eggs. But I'm sure there are going to be tons of Easter eggs in this game. Uh, that uh, harken back to the old games, so that'll be fun for anybody who has played them
1: yeah i'm excited to dive into those and i i've also you've seen a lot of the headlines talking about how ratchet is like a pixar-like game Mm -hmm. um that's it's something that when i read that headline it kind of worries me but i also just i know that i trust insomniac to make very engaging gameplay the original games were i mean they're they're in some ways, puzzle platformers, puzzle platformers with third-person shooting. So mm-hmm. those require tight mechanics. And they talked about how they learned a lot from Sunset Overdrive and Spider-Man to give more room for player expression with yeah. gameplay. So I think this will be a robust game in every single um, aspect.
0: Yeah, this uh, that's the other thing is this game, the more I see it, this is a full-length, uh, fully featured game. This is not going to be a pared-down Experience like, uh, not, I, I don't mean that in a bad way, not, but it's not going to be that same type of game that, uh, Miles Morales was. This is going to be a completely full, full length game. And yeah, there's just a lot of cool, cool information out there. I will say, uh, in terms of what one thing that t- appears they've taken over from Spider Man is the set pieces in Spider Man were always just jaw dropping and they're going to be in this game as well. That, that battle where, um, uh, it, the footage was released yesterday, but where Ratchet or Rivet, I'm not sure which one, I think it's Rivet actually, goes up against this huge robot, uh, yeah. just massive robot, like Shadow of the Colossus-sized robot, and um, the just the way she moves through that level on these rails, and uh, it's going to be incredible. Oh, yeah, and it feels like true to Ratchet. We've always had those big,
1: like, rail grinds, but they were simple because they didn't have the tech. Now that they're able to really bust this out and use all of it... It's
0: really exciting for me. Yeah, yeah. Same here. So uh, this uh, comes out, what is it, June 11th, I think? So right before E3. Look forward to that. And uh, yeah, stay tuned to my channel. It's going to be a little while, but I will have a preview before this game (laughs) comes out. Uh, Hopefully a couple weeks before the game comes out, or a few weeks even. Uh, So if you want more information on Ratchet & Clank, uh, stay tuned to Quest Mode on YouTube. Uh, And with that, we are going to finally take our first break. And when we get back, we're going to talk a bit about uh, Press Reset from Jason Schreier. We'll uh, see you in just a minute. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us through that news segment. There was a lot to talk about. We are now going to get into our—I guess you could call it—a book review. This might be our first, and who knows, maybe last <laughs> book review on the show of Jason Schreier's new book. It's called Press to Re—or not Press Reset. I used to write for a website called that. It's just called Press Reset. Uh, here it is, if you're watching. And um, yeah, we got to read this uh, a little before it comes out, which is kind of exciting. And uh, the subtitle is uh, Ruin and Recovery in the Video Game Industry. Uh, and it definitely re- uh, covers that, uh, I think I can say, uh, pretty extensively. Anyway, Jackson, did you have any uh, initial thoughts you wanted to share about this? I mean, what were, what were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, so uh, as someone who did read Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, um, this is uh, very similar in terms of the way Jason kind of structures these stories. It covers several different chapters, Um In different sectors, I would say, of the industry, big AAA companies, small indie developers, and kind of following the people. Um, And before I get too far in, I just want to thank Jason. First off, um, he just put out a tweet like, anyone want to review this thing? And I was like, me. And so uh, (laughs) I secured us copies and also um, Grand Central Publishing, Ali Rosenthal over there, um, was super awesome to work with and get this over to us. But um, general thoughts... It really just overall, every single story, it feels like Jason focuses on um, kind of the people and sort of the labor part of this industry, which seems to not be as valued, um, at least from his perspective and uh, clearly from the facts of what you read about these stories as it should be. Um, And so I think if you're just someone who's very interested in games and how they're made and the people behind them and the developers and how that actually operates and works, then you should definitely check this out.
0: Yeah, yeah, focusing on the people, that's important and I didn't really cover in my when I first uh, introduced the book. It's uh, this book is a collection of I think nine different stories and each story is about a studio that if you're if you've played games for a number of years, you'll you'll have known of most if not all of these studios and it's about them closing their doors uh for whatever reason. And that happens apparently quite frequently in the video game industry. Now, I've never worked really in the video game industry. So I, I'm not, you know, really privy to, to this and how it works. But these, stu- these are big studios that are owned by companies like uh, um, Take-Two. And, uh, you know, another one was uh, the, the studio that Kurt Schilling started to create a MMO. Uh, and they eventually ended up bringing out uh, Kingdoms of Amalur, how that studio closed. And it, it really is interesting to see how this industry, th- uh, this thriving industry, that makes all this money can't seem to sustain companies that keep people's lives stable. And that's, I, I mean, I think in that sense, it seems like the gaming industry is is broken. Um, if this is more, I don't want to say that this is the the rule or the norm, but it's definitely not the exception. Right. That's a great point.
1: And I think Jason even, um, I don't know if he directly um, references to it, but these are isolated stories. This is not everyone. But I mean, th- he had a little bit. Uh, there was like a GDC poll, a game developers conference poll about like how you feel about your job security, something along those lines. And more than half of respondents said that it was like shaky that, you know, working in this industry produces anxiety because, you know, it's a revolving door. And yeah. um, without getting into specifics, Jason really does dive into that and and, and explains how they treat, uh, what they kind of do, and it's it's kind of sinister when you think about it. They treat uh, gig jobs as full time employment, and then they just kind of right. pull the rug out from underneath these these people. Uh, when they're done with projects, in in a lot of cases, according to this book, so
0: yeah, it's like why? I mean, I'm sure there are reasons for it, but like, why don't why not offer these positions to people as contracts? Like, I've yeah. worked in an industry that where there are literal like I, the industry I came from, literally there are two year contracts, and or or I'm sure they're longer, but that's the longest I've seen. But you can offer people a contract where it's like this is how long this is going to last, and after that you're going to have to figure something else out. That at least gives people the opportunity to uh, you know prepare. And so, I like, it with the Studio 38 story, which I just finished reading this morning, literally there were people who showed up to work and their paycheck had not shown up in their uh, bank account. And that was the last—their the, previous paycheck was the last paycheck they ever received from the company. And even worse than that, there were people who ended up in debt to the company— uh, for other various reasons, but it, the company just basically ceased to exist financially uh, they didn't they stopped paying anybody they owed money to, including their employees now that's probably a very isolated incident that doesn't happen very often if ever but uh really shocking that that was even allowed to happen at uh, any company yeah yeah it,
1: it is shocking it's it's something where you read it and um I think what Jason does a good job with is uh, pulling direct quotes from employees and sort of weaving that into the narrative that's being told. Um, People are shocked and rightly should be when that happens to them and when, when they're kind of um, presented this, uh, I don't know what the term is it golden goose kind of opportunity, like, Oh my gosh, you can go and make the next best MMO that's going to take down world of Warcraft, which still hasn't happened by the way. And, And then all of a sudden, you know, you can spend all this time on something that you're... This is the real kicker for me. You can spend two to three or four or five years on something that you're so passionate about and then it never sees the light of day.
0: And that is just so much more common
1: yeah. than
0: people realize. Absolutely, yeah. It certainly... Ha- like, I didn't know Studio 38 was started to, to create a an MMO. I thought that Kingdoms of Amalur was their their thing. And that was yeah. it. But no, there was this whole other game behind the scenes that drained that that company of all of their money. And um, we ended up getting Kingdoms Kingdoms of Amalur, which is nice. But, um, yeah, too bad that, all, that game that everybody was so passionate about never saw the light of day. There was, like, um, just an interesting thing as I was reading this, like, um, kind of making it a little more personal. Uh, or, you know, for, for me, I, it kind of hit home when I, I was reading one of the stories about this developer. Her name is Gwen Frey. And uh, you mentioned how he, you know, he clearly researched this uh, and and got a lot of firsthand research where he talked to individual developers. One of them was named Gwen Frey, and uh, she kind of bounced around from a lot of studios. And I believe, I don't want to misquote it here, but I, I may, I believe she ended up working at Irrational Games for a while, which is the studio behind Bioshock uh, and Bioshock Infinite. Anyways, I, re- I read that and I was like following her story. And then she left uh, whatever gig she had. I think it might have been Irrational to create her own game, which is named Kine, K-I-N-E. And I was like, no way. When I was at, um, what was it, uh, PAX at the Indie Mega Booth, I remember going to uh, one of the booths for a game called Kine, and I was talking to this this woman behind the, the desk, and I was like, what is your job uh, on this game? She's like, oh, I made the game. I was like, oh, like, what part of it? She's like, the whole thing. I've just made the whole thing. So anyway, that was Gwen Frey, who I met at this... <laughs> this booth and now i know her story which is crazy her story is nuts like she bounced around between all these studios went and made a game called the the flame and the flood which you may or may not have heard of and then she left that studio to make this game which is still on the p i checked the playstation network it's out there you can buy it um so just kind of cool to see this the backstory behind one of these indie developers that's that's an incredible like
1: revelation that's awesome <laughs> that you uh <laughs> discovered that yeah um but but building off of what you just said josh um not everything in this book is doom and gloom. Um there are I would say half of these stories do have a quote happy ending where um because of the studio closures these developers were encouraged to go and found their own indie studios and actually find some success in the indie industry which is very volatile. Um we I think we all kind of realize that but Um, there's a lot of like success stories in here where Gwen Frey went and did her own thing and found success. Um, One of the final chapters in the book, uh, gosh, I can't remember the developer they left, um, but they went and founded their own little studio and developed enter the gungeon, which is just a smash runaway indie success. And you also learn about how these companies um, release updates and it revitalizes the games after launch. and, you don't realize that that actually drives a lot of sales and they can have better performance on a game months and even years after it comes out around updates and through Steam and other means. So um, there's there's some light stuff in here that'll make you happy as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It is actually, I found the book to be very motivating, seeing some of these people going and doing what they do and creating what they create uh, and putting all the effort they do. It's uh, uh, There's definitely a bit of a motivational uh, uh, slant in here at least for me so i thought that was cool yeah man um i i just overall
1: i it was hard to put this down for me i read it uh um front to back in like 10 days including a vacation so it was a it's a really fun read
0: yeah no i'm i'm planning on I, like i said i think i've read five out of the nine stories i absolutely plan on finishing this it's fascinating if you are interested in working in the gaming industry, and especially if you're considering working in the gaming industry, I think that this will give you a a, a certain light. So I'm like a total nomad. I, I I'm I have very few things tying me down. I don't have a family. Um, you know my my job situation. I can if I do decide to go back and work for other companies, I do that all remotely. So for me, the gaming industry sounds like ideal in that sense. Like I if I get laid off and I need to go to a whole other city, that's not a huge problem for me. And I, in fact, I kind of thrive on that, uh, that excitement, but uh, some people would not call that excitement. They would call it, uh, you know, uncertainty. And um, so depending on kind of your, how you live your life, you know, the gaming industry may or may not be a good fit for you. <laughs> that's a great point. Um, I think I, I, I gleaned another angle from that. I've
1: only ever worked for myself. Very fortunate in that respect, but um, this seemed like chaos to me. Like, I, I think there was a point where I wanted to work in games, um, but then I would hear how volatile it is. And I just couldn't stomach working on something and pouring my heart and soul into something for two years and getting the, you know, rug pulled out from underneath me.
0: That just, it sounds like hell, uh, basically. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting hearing that. Cause yeah, I mean, that does sound bad, but there were a lot of parts during this book where I was like, man, this, this sounds exciting, you know, but it is uh, <laughs> it's a lot of hard work and, uh, um, a lot of, um, yeah, unexpected occurrences like having a game canceled. So, anyways, very interesting. Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, uh, it sounds like you would as well, uh, Jackson. I would highly recommend this if uh, you're uh, even remotely interested. Totally.
1: And I know you might be listening to this, and video games are a hobby, but not a passion. This is very interesting. I would look at this as something that would kind of broaden your appreciation for uh,
0: for your hobby. For sure. Yeah. And man, just reading a book. I don't read nearly as much as I I should, but uh, having the paper in front of me and not without the distractions of like an article I'm reading online where I can just click off and check my Twitter page. That was so nice. (laughs) Oh, totally.
1: Like reading helps me sleep. So Mm. I read before I sleep. Like it's just great. It makes me sleep better.
0: Yeah. So anyways, uh, check it out again. It's a uh, press reset, ruin and recovery in the video game industry uh, it looks like that. Um, and I'm not sure if this is actually on, like, not to sound like too promotion y, but I'm not sure this is actually on bookshelves now or what the deal is there. Or, well, I say bookshelves, but most people probably get this on Amazon. Yeah, I think it's wherever books are, is where yeah. you can expect it. Cool. So check it out. Uh, and with that, we are going to take our second break. When we get back, we are going to dig into our mailbag. We'll be right back. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us till the end of the show. We are now going to dig into our reader mail. If you want to send us your own questions and have them uh, discussed on the show next week, you can write us at preloadedpodcast at gmail.com, or you can at us on Twitter with your questions. I am at Quest Mode Games. Jackson, where are you? I am at JV on YT. Nice. So yeah, hit us up with your questions. Uh, We love reading them and we love talking about them. This week, we got a question from Nello or Nilo. I'm going with Nello. Uh, And Nello writes, hi guys, I was wondering if you have a game or franchise that you really like but not play. For example, I really loved the original Resident Evil 2 when it first came out, but when I found out that the saving and ammo were limited, I couldn't bring myself to finish it and ended up watching my brother play instead. I don't mind playing hard games, but to this day, those type of restrictions give me anxiety. You're not alone there, Nello. Uh, great job <laughs> with the podcast. Thank you, and thank you for the thoughtful question. Uh, Jackson, uh, any any games like this ring a bell for you? So I think there are some, and I think they they were
1: kind of baby steps in my evolution as a gamer. Uh, I can remember the original Bioshock being too scary for me. Um, so I would watch Let's Plays because that felt more comfortable. Also, the original Dark Souls, when it was only Dark Souls, or I guess Demon Souls came out too, but um, I couldn't push through the barriers of Dark Souls. It was too difficult, or I just didn't know what I was doing, um, so I enjoyed watching it more, but I pushed through the barriers on both of those games and really found that I enjoyed both of them.
0: Nice. Yeah, so for me, it's uh, basically any theme park simulator. That might sound oddly specific, <laughs> but... I played Roller Coaster Tycoon when I was young. I think it was the first Roller Coaster Tycoon. And I was like, I mean, that sounded like the coolest game ever. Like, you get to build your own theme park. You get to build your own roller coasters. And, I mean, since then, that was like the, two, the, the 2D top-down version. Since then, we now have, uh, what is the one that I always see on uh, my, my PlayStation pop up and it's on Game Pass? Roller Coaster? Uh, Planet Coaster. Planet Coaster. Planet Coaster. That game looks even like you can – I mean I know Roller Coaster Tycoon got there as well, but you can like build your own rides. You can ride your own rides. It's in full 3D. You can walk through your own park. As someone who loves like Disneyland or Universal Studios, I love going to those parks and checking them out. This sounds like my ideal game, but just the the mechanics of a um, uh, like a sim, a sim game like that just have always held me back. They seem too slow. Jurassic The, the Jurassic Park one as well as Jurassic Ooh. World Evolution.
1: Evolution. Like, I literally, I have that, that
0: on my wish list. It's for sale right now. The deluxe edition is for sale for, like, 13 bucks, and I should just buy it and give it a shot. But for some reason, just those games, the, the pace is too slow. I get that. I actually downloaded Planet Coaster in the last
1: month or so, and it had, like, an hour-long tutorial, and I just checked out <laughs> mentally. Couldn't do it. Yeah,
0: yeah. But at the same time, I just saw an update where they're like, here's a ghostbusters theme ride pack. And I'm like, how cool. But, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I haven't gotten into it. So, anyways, uh, Nello, thank you for the question. Again, if anyone out there wants to uh, write in, it's preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. So we'll look forward to hearing from you. And with that, we are all set for the week. Again, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, And if you are listening on either of the audio platforms uh, please uh, subscribe there drop us a review uh, even if it's just a five star review uh, that'll certainly help us out we really appreciate it and with that Jackson anything you want to plug on your channel
1: um, I've got a wrath of the druids review coming out soon I'm also playing uh, mass effect on the side uh, I haven't started yet but I plan to look for that uh, kind of content
0: coming soon yes mass effect What is that that that's tomorrow isn't it yeah Whew. All right. Um, lots of stuff to play. Well, uh, again, look forward to the Ratchet & Clank Ultimate Preview on my channel. It's going to be a doozy. There, uh, It's going to be a big video, lots of information. So if you are looking forward to Ratchet & Clank, um, definitely uh, stay tuned to my channel. Um, and I also plan on having some uh, Biomutant content in the coming week or weeks. Uh, well, it'll be in the coming weeks. But uh, if you are looking forward to Biomutant, another game starring a... Uh, anthropomorphized furry creature uh, or creatures if that's your thing <laughs> those are big we're, right now yeah if that's your thing we're going to end the show on that uh that note uh, so thanks again for listening we'll see everyone next week bye guys